the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, I love Acts chapter 16, and I'll explain why, but first I want to welcome everybody to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network, Bert Harper and myself, along with you, the listeners, and we invite you to turn to Acts 16 in the New Testament. But Bert, it's been a great day. And I, I can tell you a couple of reasons. May I tell you why I'm having a great day? Yes, I want to hear this. Well, I got to host today's issues this morning with Chris Woodward and then Steve Jordahl. And I feel like we had a really good show, really strong show. And I'll be on today's issues tomorrow morning as well. But then uh, I left today's issues to go in front of youth. And I'm at Higher Ground Christian Camp in West Harrison, Indiana. I'm in Indiana, and among the youth, there are probably a hundred youth here and adults, and we're doing a week of biblical worldview camp. But I want to give a big shout out to John Irby and his daughter, Danielle. They're here. All right, Indiana. We're just 75 miles outside of Indianapolis. Uh, John Irby and his daughter drove all the way from Houston, Texas, because oh, they wow. listened to Bert and Alex on Exploring the Word, and they wanted to come to Apologetics Biblical Worldview Camp, drove more than 15 hours, and uh, here they are. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Amen. Yeah. Alex, I, you get excited. Well, you and I are excited about just living and living for the Lord, but I've noticed, get you in front of the young people, and, and it jacks up a little, as they say. Yeah. So I know you're having a great time, and that is amazing. Drive that far to be a part of that. Indiana's a great, great state. We talk about all the different states that you, you've preached in all of them. I've preached in many of them. And uh, <clears throat> Indiana's one of my favorite. I love the folks of Indiana. And uh, I know y'all are having a great time up there. We really are. And, I mean, there are youth groups from Kentucky, youth groups from Cincinnati, youth groups from Illinois. And so it's a joy. And here's the other thing, and and I know we need to get into uh, Acts 16, but um, the thing is young people are hungry for truth. Young people are hungry and they respond to the gospel, and they respond to biblical worldview. And, and Bert, that, that really is Amen. encouraging, isn't it? It really is. And so those who are listening today, if you're a leader of a Bible study group of youth, stay with the Word of God. Just speak it. It is relevant. You can help by making it relevant by talking about how it works into today's society and the, and the decisions you make. But the Word of God is the truth, and we want to stick to it. You already said Acts 16. This is a transitional uh, chapter, and uh, here it is, uh, Paul and Barnabas. Let's set this up. Uh, They decided they'd go in two different groups. Barnabas take John Mark and go to Cyprus, and and Paul would take Silas, who's been introduced to him in the last, I would say, a few months, it seems like, and they would go and revisit the churches. 
And here's what it says concerning Paul, chapter 16, verse 1. Then he came, this is about Paul, to Derby and Lystra. Now, that's kind of where he left off. If you remember, he turned around at Derby the last time, but now he's going further. But, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. Now, the way you remember their, his mother's name, uh, go to Timothy, and you'll find out his grandmother's name was Lois. His mother's name was Eunice. His name is Timothy, L-E-T, let. That's how I memorized it, Alex, anyway. Uh, right, Lois, right. Uh, Eunice, and uh, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So here it is, Timothy is introduced. Uh, Silas has been introduced. He's new on this missionary journey. Now one of the first things they do in Derby is add to the group, and it's Timothy. Paul is always looking for mentorship. He's looking for helping them grow and become all that they need to become because Paul knows he's not going to be around long, but he's doing a good job of handing off the baton to these others so they can run the race as well, isn't he, Alex? Well, he really is. And do you know what? That That's what we do in any generation, aren't we, to uh, really multiply ourselves so that well, I'll put it this way, Bert. I think great leadership is this, that if the work could go on with undiminished impact, even in the absence of a cherished leader. You Amen. Know? That's it. That is, Alex, you said it, and that's the way it is. Look at Elijah, but then there was Elisha. There was Moses, but guess what? There comes Joshua. And that's the whole idea in here. Paul is sharing it. He's got Timothy. Uh, he's already, uh, he and Barnabas kind of grew together, and now he's handing it off to Silas and Timothy, and there'll be others. So, Alex, you're exactly right, handing it off so that the work is not diminished when the person who started it or is the main guy has to depart. Bert, um, i got to give a shout-out to, he's in heaven now, but Dr. Pat Cronin. He was from upstate New York, and he came down south and pastored Friendly Avenue Baptist Church for a lot of years, and he was just great. I was so privileged. This is now almost 30 years ago. I was youth pastor under Pat Cronin, and I learned so much from him. He gave me a John Maxwell book, and I learned so much about leadership from Pat Cronin. But on his first anniversary at Friendly Avenue, they um, had a dinner to honor him, and um, they said something to the effect of, you know, we're so grateful for you, Pastor. If if you weren't here, this place would just grind to a halt. And and I know they meant that as a compliment, but he got up, he was very wise, and he said, look, believe it or not, that's not a compliment. Um, I want it to be so that if I pass away, it would keep right on going. And And he did lead in that regard. And, I mean, that's like Paul and Timothy and Paul and Silas, and here we are. Isn't it just, I think it, it attests to the miraculous nature of the church, Bert, that Amen. it's been 2,000 years since the Lord ascended back to heaven, and yet the longest endeavor in world history, and in spite of persecution, opposition, the church still goes bigger than ever, um, at this point, at least a half and maybe two-thirds of the human race are followers of Jesus, 
even in his absence. Now that was leadership. Amen. And again, because what is going to happen? They're in Asia. They're they're about to be called into Europe, where it's going to explode. But let's let's try to get there. We got about about four more minutes. Paul wanted yes. verse three. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, because his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which are determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So here, it's not only starting churches. You remember that letter that was written in chapter 15 that we studied yesterday that James wrote? He is taking copies of that and sharing that with the different churches and letting these people who were pharisaical and say, oh, no, they need to be circumcised. They need to keep the... Uh, dietary law. No, he said no such thing is given. So he's carrying that out. Now notice what happened because of that. It says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and guess what? They increased in number daily. Alex, Mm. they were strengthened and increased in number. Now this is what you want to do. You don't want the foundation to be so weak that when you add to the church, it falls. You've got to strengthen the church and add to it at the same time. If you're just strengthening the church without adding to it, uh, it's, it's like a sponge just taking in water. But if you, verse, verse 5, I've got it highlighted in my Bible. That should be the goal of the pastor, the staff, the elders in the church, the Sunday school teachers, the small group leaders, strengthened in the faith and increased in number. Alex, that's a worthy goal, isn't it? Well, it really is a worthy goal. And, you know, I love that word strengthen that really speaks to being equipped and and mature. There's a lot of things. But the one of the words is established. And it's strengthened it speaks to stability, doesn't it? Permanence. It, it's not transient and uh, speaks to like a solid foundation. The, uh, we've talked a lot about this word, and that, that's why we say, look, uh, the preacher does what he can do, but the believers have to do what only the believer can do. Because, Bert, we've talked about it, you and I, there are some aspects of the Christian life that you can't delegate to anybody else, you know? I mean, learning how to pray with power, reading the Bible, and feeding your soul daily in the Scripture— learning how to hear from God. John 10, 14, I know my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. As much as I appreciate the pastors and the leaders, and we we have been impacted by them, and we have served in those roles, but there are some things that the individual disciple can only really cultivate for himself. Am I right? You mean we can't force feed them, you know? Can't force feed them. <laughs> That's exactly right, and you're right on, and the pastor should be an example. In other words, yep. not just preaching and what he's sharing, not just equipment, but to be an example of those things, an example to the flock that is said over and over again in the Bible. Now, real quickly, we're going to get to verse 6. I'm going to read through verse 10. Yes. That way to set it up, and when we come back uh, after the break, we'll go through it in detail. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and into the region of Galatia, this is the upper northern, more northern part, central part of Asia Minor, now listen to this. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word of in Asia. 
After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Now, underline forbidden, did not permit. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. Notice the word we. What a transition. Not only is Timothy with him, not only is Silas with Paul, but now Luke is with him. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is one of the greatest events that you'll find in all the Bible, where he comes over into this area and the word of God explodes. You can look over in your maps and see how many churches that are involved and where he is going in this Macedonia call. Well, Alex, we'll be back right after the break, and we'll take this apart and look at it more thoroughly. But it is an exciting time, and we want you to listen so we can share the Word of God with you. You can tell Brent Austin has been working, Alex. Uh, he is enjoying bringing us some songs that just glorify the Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Mahalia Jackson. What a song. Well, we're oh, back in, in Acts 16, but I want to do something real quickly, and I'll throw it to you, Acts. Uh, uh, Alex, Alex and Acts, that's pretty good. But chapter, I'll take that. Okay. Chapter 13 and chapter 16. Now, notice how important this is. In chapter 13, listen to what happens. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. That's when they went on their first missionary journey. Now they're on their second missionary journey. And it's Paul and Silas, but we know also Timothy and Luke is with them. And it says, and I read this earlier, when they had tried to go up into Galatia, they were forbidden by who? The Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Not because they didn't need to know it, but God had something else. And they tried to go to Mysia. Okay, okay, we're not going that direction. We'll go this direction. And they tried to go into Bithynia. That's even further north. But the Spirit did not permit them. Alex, the Holy Spirit is directing Paul. And notice this, at strategic times, uh, the Holy Spirit just completely changes direction on him. If you'll get in the back of your Bibles and you see how Paul operated, he would go from one city to the next city to the next city. That was his strategy. But now on the second missionary journey, He's done that, gone to Lystra, gone to Derby, gone to Iconium, and he planned on going to Mysia and all of that and go to Bithynia. But the Holy Spirit said, no, I've got something else for you. So that night is when he heard the Macedonia call. Alex, mm. uh, we're to keep faithful. God's given us a direction. We're to keep on it. But ever so often, 
as he has in your life, you were at focus on the family. And then God says, no, that's a great job. It's a great place, but I got something else for you. Well, you had something else. And then the opportunity opened up with American Family Radio. Same thing with me. I was pastoring. Yeah, I was pastoring away here at a church, and God called me to come to be a part of AFR. So sometimes Mm -hmm. in our lives, the Holy Spirit. Now, he was being led by the Spirit the whole time. Don't you hear me not saying that? But at those strategic times, the Holy Spirit came on, would you say, a little stronger, a little bit more definite, and said, okay, you've been doing good. But I got something else, another direction, another place. That, do you see yeah. that? Well, do you know what, what is such a blessing? It was in early 2009 that a mutual friend said, um, Alex, uh, I, I'll never forget the call. In fact, I remember distinctly where I was. But this person called me up and said, um, there's a man named Jim Stanley I want you to talk to. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I called. I, I'd never met Jim Stanley He's our one of our very regular co-hosts here on Exploring the Word, incidentally. And Jim Stanley and I had a nice little chat, and he said, um, I need you to meet my boss. My boss wants to have a talk with you. His name is Tim Wildman. And little did I know, Bert, this would be one of the most significant meetings in my entire life. Yep. And, and here we are now 14 years into Exploring the Word. But let me say... And you tell me, Pastor, because you've got more experience than me, Bert, if this would be a good sermon. Now, listen up, folks. Don't miss your man from Macedonia. (laughs) (laughs) Because, see, the Macedonian call, Paul had a vision, verse 10. Well, verse 9 and 10. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now, I'm, I'm assuming Paul was asleep, and God spoke to him through a dream or a vision. Now, who was this man of Macedonia? We don't know for sure. Some think it might have been actually a vision of Luke. I don't know. But here's the thing. When you get a Macedonian call, you're getting a vision. Bert, I think very often a, uh, a church gets a vision through their pastor or through some leaders. Um, very often in my life, and now as a Christian, 35 years I've been a believer, but I've had about four or five significant callings that shaped, you know, nearly four decades of, of my yeah. life. And, and Bert, I, I truly believe in every Christian, in every church, in, in Christian organizations, God will send a man of Macedonia, shall we say, to give a new chapter of vision and calling. I believe with all my heart. Let me give you a short version. Here I, I was pastoring. And the church I was at, West Jackson Street Baptist Church here in Tupelo, Mississippi, I'd been there 28 years as pastor. Now, I'd been there close to two years as youth minister, but I'd spent 30 years in that church. But but there was a desire in my heart. I said, I think this is coming to a close, and I could sense it. I could feel it. Now, there's some things happening, but there's some, that sensing was there. And, uh, but I could not get my brain around spending the energy, the effort, the desire to another church. And that's when AFR came, and I came on board here. And and mm. exploring the Word was not what I was looking to do when I came here. That opened up two months later because of Marvin Sanders, and uh, his cancer came back, and 
they said, Bert, how about filling in for Marvin? And I did working with you. And then Marvin's health did not get any better. He went on to glory. And here Mm -hmm. it's been 12 years for me as I've been (laughs) sharing in this ministry. And again, it is similar to what we're talking about. And again, we're not Paul. That's not what Alex is saying. And that's not what I'm saying. But there's times in our life when the Holy Spirit closes a door and he opens another door. This is powerful. The Holy Spirit forbid him. The Holy Spirit would not permit him. Those words are strong. I think you need to be in touch with the Holy Spirit in order to sense that and know those things, Alex. Amen. You know what? Um, I've told this story, but I was coming up out of Florida. I'd been down there to, to preach, and it was 5 in the morning, and I was sleepy, and I had not had my coffee, and I was in the line for security, and the total stranger next to me, he um, he said, uh, what are you what are you doing down here? And I said, well, I was speaking at a conference. And he said, oh, me, I was down here for a funeral. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and I try to stay in gear. But he goes, well, I guess we all got it sometime. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, Alex, wake up. It may be five in the morning and you're going through security. But that was a Macedonian call. The gentleman and I went over and got a cup of coffee, and 15 minutes later, he accepted Christ. I got to share the gospel and lead this man to the Lord. And, folks, here's my point. The Lord, maybe you're not called to take the gospel to Europe. Maybe you are. (laughs) But, look, maybe it's inviting those children in the, the neighborhood to Vacation Bible School. Maybe it's inviting somebody to church who needs to come back to Christ. Bert, I think... In the life of any average Christian, there's 500 Macedonian calls, these glorious opportunities God puts in our pathway where we can be his witness and, I'm going to just say, an evangelist for the gospel. Let's not miss our Macedonian call or the ones that come into our pathway, and they're probably an instrument of the Holy Spirit to guide us into something to do. And you will recognize them staying in service and ministry, walking with the Lord, walking in the Spirit. And when those opportunities come, you will recognize them, will know them. Now, again, I want to make a big deal out of verse. I knew we would not cover chapter 16 today. It's just too full. But here, we sought to go to Macedonia. Mm. Uh, Alex, what a uh, Timothy and Luke. Look who Paul is adding to his group of people that he is training, helping, strengthen them. Timothy, this young man that's going to become what he calls his son in the faith. I mean, close, he loved him. When he gave his last will and testament, it was written to 2 Timothy. It, in the book of 2 Timothy, it was written to him. Luke, when it was time to chronicle the, the church and it overcoming all the obstacles and covering a lot of Paul's ministry, God added to Luke. Not only does he call you to places. Here it is. Now, again, this is a connection. I want you to comment on it. Not only does he call use a man to call him into Macedonia, but he also has added a man to men to him to be a part of it. So hmm. sometimes this Macedonia call is not just exclusively you or me. Right. Look, we sought to go to Macedonia. 
when, when Paul got this vision, Silas, Luke, Timothy, we got to leave here. We got to go over there. And that, I love the words, we sought. We sought to go into that. There was nothing else coming up. Uh, Lord, help us. And it says they sought to go to Macedonia. I love that word sought. It has the idea we made every effort. Uh, he, he wasn't a halfway. He didn't. It doesn't say he was reluctant. It seems like he was readily going to Macedonia because he knew that's where God wanted him, Alex. Well, amen. And, you know, I, I, I don't mean to belabor this point, but part of being a Christian is is serving, you know? And um, I had a man say to me one time, he said, uh, every time that we have deacon nominations, the nominating committee wants me to serve as a deacon. And I just, he said, I see him in the hallway and I try to avoid him because I don't want to. And I said, well, just maybe if they're feeling led of the Spirit to ask you, maybe you might should feel led of the Spirit to serve in that way. And it's just, you know, some of the things, well, I'm going to tell you, all of the big things in, in my journey and my ministry, I did not see coming. Bert, I've, I've uh, worked hard and conjured up a few things, and sometimes, you know, I think, wow, what Alex does, that doesn't account for much. But getting, getting to work with Dr. Dobson, getting to write books, getting to be on American Family Radio, those are the, I never, never saw it coming. I really didn't. But um, when it when God gives you an assignment, you'll know it. And what a beautiful thing it is. And Paul is our example. But I guess it is good I got saved at Macedonia Baptist Church <laughs> because uh, hopefully I'd, I'd uh, be of, of that cut of timber, Macedonian, you know? Amen. But, uh, Amen. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voice to Samothrace, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly in verse 11. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. Now, Paul is going to have a lot of attachment to Philippi for sure. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come there. One who heard was a woman named Lydia, a city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Hey, isn't that awesome? The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And so she becomes a believer. She's baptized to show that she is a believer and says, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So, um, hey, it... Paul, anywhere he goes, ministry takes place and roots are put down that would result in the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. Now, let's let's look at this. This is so important. This is different, Alex, than any other place he'd been before. I mean, because he didn't go to the synagogue. Right. Oh, man. He went to the creek bank or the river bank. Now, exactly. Okay, let's go over this. To have a synagogue in any city, you had to have 10 adult men, Jewish men. So probably, and I think that is true, Philippi is a major Gentile city. That is the first significant place that he goes in this Macedonia call. Now, again, he had already opened the door to the Gentiles in the first 
you know, the first uh, missionary uh, journey. He goes back to Antioch and then to Jerusalem, explaining to them that God is working in the Gentiles. And now he's been equipped. He's got the confirmation of the Jerusalem church, the elders, the apostles. So he goes up back to where he's been. But then this Macedonia call comes, and the first place he goes is to Philippi, and there's not even a synagogue there. But he finds a group of people that worship the Lord. Alex, I, I want to make this, and I'll throw it back to you. Uh, God's always got a people. <laughs> and uh, you, you may not think they're there, but God's got a group of people. He's got a people, and he's got them serving the Lord. It may not be obvious like in a synagogue. It may be on a riverbank. It may not be men. Here it says she was leading the women uh, concerning that. The women. Notice what it says in verse 13. We sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Uh, there was no men, but Paul went to those women, and God opened the doors, didn't he? Well, he really did. Bert, have you ever, in the course of ministry or church life, have you ever known somebody named Lydia? I have, Yes. That is a great Bible name, isn't it? I've I've met a lot of Lydia's along the journey. I really have. Uh, but the blessing of evangelism and discipleship—they're gonna they're gonna wind up incarcerated, aren't they? They are. <laughs> and, and God's working. This is one of the most amazing cities that He was in. Uh, a woman, and then a soothsayer girl, and then a jailer, and they're coming apart to be a part of one of the greatest churches in all the Bible. Hey, we're going to take phone calls, Alex. That number is 888-589-8840. If you have your Bible question, we would love to hear from you today. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Burr, so honored that you're listening. Now, the number, here's the toll-free number for your Bible questions. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, and we're so glad you're listening. And, Bert, can I read you a question off of email? You sure can. All the lines, all the lines are open, so get the phones ringing. Go ahead, Alex. Somebody writes in, and, and my heart goes out to this person and says, how do you combat having a negative mindset? All the news, all that's going in the world, going on in the world, I mean, um, it just perverts my thinking, and I get negative. Yep. What do you say? Alex, uh, This someone else has asked me that. Matter of fact, last Wednesday night, uh, at Auburn Baptist Church, where I was doing a Bible study, we talked about that. And we was talking about how do you do that? You stay in the Word of God. Listen, are you spending more time in the Word? Or are you spending more time with the news? If I'm spending mm. more time with what's going on in the world than I am in the Word of God, I, I think you're supposed to look at that through that direction, and you seek God. And then, I, I don't mean to say this flippant, but I'm going to go ahead. Nothing has caught God surprise. God hadn't said, uh-oh, I didn't see that coming. No, God is on the throne. So, Alex, uh, yes, he is, and we can depend on him, and we need to stay in touch with him. Well, Alex, we Amen. got people calling in. Are you ready? 
I'm ready. And by the way, if you ever do want to email us, word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. We love the phone calls, but we happily read your emails, too. So thanks for all the correspondence, folks. We sure do. Juan from Texas. Welcome, Juan. Hey, Bert. Hey, Alex. This is Juan calling from Dallas, Texas. I listen to you all every day when I go to home. Thank you. Uh, my Bible question was, um, is it not said, or is it not in the Bible that a man should be able to provide for their family, and if they don't, is that a sin? Okay. Uh, the Bible does talk about uh, providing. He that cares not for his own is worse than an unbeliever is, is what it comes up. So um, that provision is not just talking about uh, money and provision. It's talking about spiritual provision. It's talking about protection. It's in that the man is the leader. He's the initiator, isn't he? Regardless of what we, the world we live in, God has put that initiation into the, it should be in the heart of a man, a husband and a father, shouldn't it, Alex? It really should. You know, that verse you mentioned is in First Timothy 5, 8. That, that really says if, if we don't provide for our family, we have denied the faith and are worse than an infidel or unbeliever. And work is such a blessing, you know. Uh, Bert, it really is. I tell you, uh, having a job and being able to put food on the table, that, that really is one of life's greatest blessings that the Lord gives us. Would you agree? I agree. And one, yes. And, and sometimes it's tough in this world we live in. Uh, and we realize that, and it, sometimes it's the husband and wife working together, and because of some things, wives are making the mother makes more financially, but it's still that husband's uh, responsibility to be the leader of the home. When we say leader, we're talking about that way. We're not talking about him having to do everything. And uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, uh, he would talk about Joyce, his wife, said, I'm glad her, we got her around to help balance the book. She does it more effectively than I do, but I'm still responsible. And so, Alex, uh, the responsibility of a man, God puts it on us, and we need to we need to stand up and be a part of it. So, Juan, thank you. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Mike. Welcome, Mike. Yeah, thank you, guys. I'm trying to balance the, the difference between the authority of God. He's ultimately responsible. He's, he's bigger than anything but when something horrible happens, like a school shooting with elementary kids or a, a disaster where people are killed, or I'm thinking even back when Job, God allowed Satan to do all that business to Job, but God was ultimately responsible. How do we balance that? Okay, my great. Hey, Alex, have, has that question been answered adequately yet? <laughs> well, you know, over church history, some of the, I personally believe some of the most brilliant and godly people have put their mind to this from St. Yes. Augustine to C.S. Lewis. I agree. Um, two words to really keep in mind is caused versus allowed. Now, like with a, a shooting or some act of terrorism or such as that, you know, clearly God God allows some of these things to happen. Now, Bert, here's one of the things. It's funny, after 9-11, September 11, I was on several programs with atheists, and they were like, you know, where was God? Why didn't God prevent that? And I said, you know, 
uh, there, there might be 500 things that God does prevent that we don't even know about, right? Now, God allows some things, but God doesn't cause iniquity because the Bible says in, he is light and in him is no darkness at all. The one, of the, one of the things, though, about the biblical God is out of all bad, he ultimately brings good, doesn't he? And, and the thing is, we have free will. Bert, I was reading a book. I've got a book about 9-11, and there, there were a couple of um, terrorists that, for one reason or another, did not make it to the airport. There was supposed to be another plane, and one of the terrorists who later, he, he didn't, um, they didn't crash a plane, and he was later apprehended, but he said that he felt the whole time of planning that, that God was practically shouting, don't do this, don't do this. So God, God does, with every temptation, make a way of escape. And, but God, we have a free will, and he doesn't override that free will always, does he? He does not. Okay, th- thank you for that. Let's go to Arkansas, and we're going to talk to Jim. Welcome, Jim. Hey, uh, let me say something real quick you were talking about when you get discouraged or down i think about my lord on the christ my christ on the cross he gave all that i don't have to worry about it therefore when i get down i say he's got this he's got me and he takes care of me every day of my life and i'm old so have a great day and know the Lord takes care of us every day of our lives. Way to go, Jim. Amen. Hey, I listen, I got something to add to that real quickly. Philippians 4.8. If you're down, difficult, mm-hmm. hard, listen to what Paul said. Now, he was in jail when he was writing this, and he said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Dwell on these things. Turn them over and over. Now, listen to verse 9, Alex. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. Now, listen to these next two words. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. It's not just what you think. It's also what you do. You, verse 8 and 9 of, of Philippians 4 is so powerful that helps Amen. us to be able to stand in difficult days. Anything you want to add, Alex? Well, we like Oswald Chambers said in My Utmost for His Highest, we've got to vigilantly maintain God's perspective, and we do that by feeding on the Word. Okay, let's go to Indiana, the state where Alex is in, and yeah. it's Chuck. Chuck, what part of Indiana are you from? Uh, around the Lafayette area. Okay, that's not over to the other side, west of Kokomo. I think that's close up that way. So it's good to have you. Yeah, we're about. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're about forty-five minutes away. Okay. Well, listen. What's your question today, brother? Go right ahead. Oh, okay. So I just started listening to your radio program this week, and I really like it. So you've got a continued oh. listener. Thank you, Chuck. Thank Amen. you. We Thank love you this. So much. Yeah. Again. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, now my now my question is, you know, we tithe our payroll, yada yada yada, and then now once you get close to like drawing your social security per se, are we to tithe that 
or just give an offering? Okay, good question. Alex, I'll put it this way. Um, I think uh, there's some freedom in this, but uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, I do. I've, I've reached the age where Social Security is being drawn. That's letting folks in into my side of the world. And uh, mm-hmm. although we've tithed on it probably before, guess what? Yes. Tithe on it again. Now, Chuck, that could be a tithe or that could be an offering either way. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak definitively on this because I've not done that and I'm not there yet. Uh, and I realize it's almost like all this money we've put in has already been tithe, Taxes and tithes have already come out. But, um, you know, when it says, of all thine increase, um, when you bring the tithes into the storehouse, you know, Bert, I'm hesitant to say because I'm not at that age yet, but um, I don't know, Angie and I, when we got married, the afternoon we got married, before we went on our little honeymoon down to the coast, we laid hands on our checkbook. We really did. And I think there was maybe $200 in it in the whole wide world. And we just said, Lord, as long as we live, this is yours. And whatever comes into our house, we tithe and more. And God seems to bless it, doesn't he? He does. And I, I, I say amen, Alex. Yes. Let's go to Illinois and talk to Seth. Welcome, Seth. Hi, um, I just want to say I listen to AFR, and um, I was very blessed um, to um, listen to to Alex this morning on uh, on today's issues. And I just want you, both of you guys, Bert and Alex, to know that you guys are doing an awesome job. And I don't, you guys don't realize how much you uh, mean to me. And I, I mow grass, and I'm I've always got my headphones in listening to you guys when I'm mowing grass. So. Um, uh-huh. But uh, however, oh, thanks, my uh, my question, no, no problem. Uh, my question is um, in in the book of Acts, it mentions um, that the apostle Paul walked with Christ, um, but that was well after Christ's crucifixion. So how how does that re- relate, I guess, to um, to him walking with Christ, or um, what's your guys' take on that? Okay, Seth, thank you again. Thank you for what you just said. He walk, There was three years he spent in Arabia and taught of God. Now, Alex, uh, there's a lot of different thoughts on how that took place. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, it was a special time in Paul's life set aside, and God really poured into him. On the road to Damascus, he was with him, the light. Uh, but the Holy Spirit of God is the one who was with Paul after uh, what happened with his, his eyesight coming back when he was, uh, uh, you know, with, uh, Ananias, Alex, uh, was you thinking of maybe in Arabia or do you think that's just uh, a phrase that he uses? You know, we don't know, do we? I mean, we, we really, it's, it's speculation, isn't it, Bert? It is. And so, so Seth, again, definitive, similar to what Alex said about tithing on Social Security, a lot of it uh, is, is a heart matter, what you want to do. We know Paul. He walked, he, he was, the Holy Spirit of God was so real to him, and I think that's what we were talking about in the book of Acts. He was so in tune to the Holy Spirit when it was time for him to hear that Macedonia call that would change the trajectory of his direction even the people that he was working with 
go into Philippi, the first place where there was no synagogue, and it was it was women, the first group of people he visited and gathered around. Alex, uh, he was in tune with the Holy Spirit, and that's what we need to be. Oh we goodness. need to walk in the Spirit, don't we? Well, we really do, and and I, I just think a big part of that is consistency. Amen. You know, Bert, we get the question a lot, how can I hear from God? Uh, consistency. Uh, walk with him, and okay. you'll hear him. Amen. You will. My sheep hear my voice. We do. We can understand and know the voice of God. Let's go to Margaret in your home state of North Carolina. Welcome, Margaret. Yay. Hi. Um, I just want to thank you for what you guys do, and thank you for teaching us every day. Um, my question is similar to, I guess, what two people just called in about, like when bad things happen, and I know I've heard you many times on that. But I heard um, on American Family Radio to read Psalm 91 for your family. And I'm just wondering, like, how can you explain when bad things happen? Or it says, like, Psalm 91-2, my place of safety. 91-3, it says he'll rescue you from every trap and protect you from every plague. And 91-5 says, um, don't be afraid of anything. And 91-7 says the evil will not touch you. So if we're to believe, or, you know, I do believe what I read in the Bible, but how can you say, like, evil won't touch you when all these terrible things are happening? And even in my own family, some terrible things have happened, and I've prayed for my girls, you know, before they were even born. How, uh, where was that protection when something terrible happened? Margaret, thank you for calling. Mm. We don't have a lot of time, so Alex, let me just say, Joseph Parker is the one that prays Psalm 91. Pastor Joseph, awesome man of God, he's done that. But also, I, I would say that Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord and commit your ways to him, trust in him, rest in him. Those are the things we need to do. Because here, Alex, is he, is he, uh, is this uh, his prayer or is it in truth? What he what happens physically, Job certainly went through it, but God said, don't touch his soul. Yeah. Well, there's two different words, Hebrew words, one for sin and one that's translated evil, but it means really calamity. Uh, and yeah, even to a born-again believer, calamity can come into their life. You know, it's, it's not good when cars wreck and people get sick. But we have God to shepherd us through these deep valleys, don't we? We do. Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulties. If you noticed when a tornado comes through down here in the south and Midwest, it doesn't mm. miss certain places just because it's a church or a ministry. Uh, just it, You know, that's. I think this, let me say this, Margaret, we show our true colors in difficult times, so we want to make much of Jesus always. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on AFR. Again, tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.